It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. We've got two Monday Night Football games to break down. We've got a Tuesday Night Football game to preview and your questions in our two-minute drill. This football season is extremely different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me. At Williamson NFL is where you can find my co-host, Matt Williamson. How are you on this Tuesday morning, well, it's morning for me. It's, it's getting toward the afternoon for you on the East Coast, Matt. Uh, the Steelers no longer undefeated. They are not unbeaten. Those 72 Dolphins can sip whatever uh, drink, prune juice they're drinking these days uh, in a wine glass. And it was the Washington football team, actually, that's a little bit resurgent. There's a couple of NFC East teams that are trying to make a push to respectability here at the top of that division. It was Washington 23, Pittsburgh 17. I think we need to give Washington and the Giants, as you mentioned, a lot of credit that their season looks much better. They're playing at a much better level than that first month of the year. You know, Washington had a dramatic quarterback switch and a new coach. The Giants, we talked about yesterday, um, taking the persona of their coach and first-time head coach that didn't have a preseason or, you know, normal prep time to get his team ready. And these guys are getting better. And, Washington played quite well. Their defensive line, as you would imagine, caused you know quite a few problems, one at the line of scrimmage. But, man, this to me – and, again, I am not I, – I, yes, I am looking at this through black and gold colored mm-hmm. glasses. I will not hide that one bit. But I, I don't mean to disparage what Washington did at all. But, man, this was a tale of two halves. And the Steelers really look like a beat up and weary team to me right now. And this is not making excuses for them. This is just fact. I mean, this is their third game. That was their third game in 12 days. They really never got a buy. And the pseudo buy they got was back in like week three or four. I mean, it's been a long time. Injuries are really starting to mount with this team. Um, some COVID situations. No Connor, no Pouncey, no Dupree, no Bush. I mean, no Nelson, like starters left and right. And it's really starting to show in the second half. I mean, Washington outscored the Steelers 20 to three in the second half after not converting a third down in the first half. And Pittsburgh just looked weary and, uh, you know, that they need a break and they're not going to get it. And I think it's time to worry about them. And they go to Buffalo, who we'll get to here in a minute, Sunday night. I got to think that they're a, a dog in that game. Wow, yeah, that's something I did not expect. And we'll talk about that Buffalo Bills team, which looked really good on Monday night as well. I'm looking at this game, and just as far as the box score goes, it looks eerily similar for both teams. And uh, neither team could get anything going on the ground at all. 
the Steelers averaged one and a half yards per carry there. Uh, I would imagine that's not something that Mike Tomlin uh, wants to continue to be the case. Ben Roethlisberger spreading it around a little bit more than Alex Smith, um, hitting, what, 12 different receivers. Uh, it was Deontay Johnson, though, that was targeted the most. But here's the thing was the drops, right, with Pittsburgh. Again, yeah. And I think it was seven, which is the most in a game this season, seven drops. And the most, was it like in 15 years or something like that for the Steelers, right? Deontay Johnson dropped, I think, four of them himself. I actually thought last I, I didn't know those those numbers, but I thought last week against Baltimore, that weird game on a Wednesday afternoon, they had more drops. I mean, they've really had like mm, t- close to twenty drops over the last two weeks, That's and crazy. all they do is throw short passes. If you're dropping the ball, you have no chance because, like you said, they don't run the ball at all. Twenty one rushing yards on fourteen attempts. Some of that's the run blocking. Some of that's the the just not dedicating it all themselves to it. James Conner being out hasn't helped, but the drops are killing this team, and it's a huge it's a huge thing. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, twelve targets for Deontay Johnson, who led Pittsburgh, and only seventy one yards to show for it. So that's that's definitely yeah. not ideal there. And uh, it was a classic Alex Smith quarterbacked game, efficient, a lot of short stuff, and uh, the Washington team is built in a way right now. I think you know I think they would like to be able to run the ball better, but uh, their passing game is an extension of the running game, and JD McKissick and. Uh, 10 receptions for him out of the backfield. So that's the way they move the ball with their running backs. And their defense is playing pretty well. Their defensive front is good. And I think that's one of the reasons why Pittsburgh had some trouble running the ball. I immediately thought when Gibson went out really early in the game, I'm like, man, the Washington just doesn't have enough weapons now. And McLaurin did nothing. I mean, they, they rolled their coverages his direction quite a bit. But Logan Thomas probably had his best game as a pro. And McKissick caught a million balls. And trust me, I was ready to throw my drink at the tv at that point like (laughs) that's all this team can do is dump the ball off and that's all alex smith ever does and you slow linebackers with bush out of the lineup just can't keep up with them can't get to the outside quick enough and it's just six yards seven yards i mean vince williams is a a a favorite of mine but not his specialty and they're missing bush and speed in the middle of the field right now I've seen a lot of fans online that are pointing a finger at a certain coach on the Steelers staff, and I want to get your opinions on the Steelers' offensive coordinator, Fichtner. Randy Feekner. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, he his job was in maybe doubt whether they wanted to bring him back last year after how pathetic their offense was, but obviously a lot of that was with the quarterback position. Some fans are pointing in that direction. Do you put the blame on the Steelers' offensive coordinator as well? Um, I will say that I have followed the Steelers now for about 41 years, considering uh, probably my first five years or so of my life, I didn't really know what I was getting into and I'm 48 years old. So I don't think that the Steelers offensive coordinator has ever been liked here in my 40 some years of watching this team (laughs) that they love the defensive coordinators, Dick LeBeau, he can do no wrong, but this town hates the offensive coordinator, no matter who it is. And if they're winning Super Bowls or whatever, I think only three teams in the league are scoring more points per game than the Steelers. So that's a pretty good indicator that the, the coordinator has been doing fine. Uh, I know a lot of people don't know a lot about Randy Feekner, but he was Ben's quarterback coach. And basically he's the guy Ben wanted and Haley wasn't real likable. And so you replace Haley with a much more likable um, Ben friendly type guy. It certainly wasn't his finest hour. They're throwing passes to Gerald Hawkins and, you know, it's getting a little cuter than they needed to be. That's for sure. But 
if the receivers catch the ball, we don't have that conversation. <laughs> you know, I mean, the drops right. aren't his fault. Yeah, that's he. He's not out there actually putting the ball on the ground. So that's a, right. that, that's a huge thing to remember about all this. And it's funny how fans will treat a play call if it works. It's an amazing play call. If it doesn't work, even if it's designed perfectly, and even if it was you know something that somebody screwed up on the field, it's the play call's fault and it's the play caller's fault. So that happens quite a bit. So uh, that's why I wanted to get your opinion on that one. Uh, we've got to move on to real the quick. Other- trust oh, sure. me, this town longs a little bit for the days of Jerome Bettis and Franco Harris <laughs> and running the ball and you can't get a yard. I yeah. mean, that makes them crazy too. Their short yardage offense is bad, but they're doing it in different ways. The offense isn't horrible. Some complimentary football. Is it all Connor? Is, is that as big of a factor there or is it happening up uh, front? It's everything. Okay. Well, first of all, the offensive line has been built to keep Ben upright ever since they moved on from Arians, it came from the top. I'm sick of our quarterback taking a beating and he, he does, he hasn't gotten sacked in like five games. I mean, so, mm-hmm. and they throw the ball every play. So the pass protection is amazing and it has been quite good for a while. And that's how the line is built, but the line hasn't been great run blocking. I think their running back room, even with a healthy Connors amongst the worst in the league and needs to be addressed. And without Connor, they're, they're trotting out Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell and just a bunch of Jags. And then the other pr- thing that, you know, really get nerdy about it, all the peripheral blocking has been terrible. I mean, Eric Ebron's a wide receiver, and people think that he's going to be Mark Bruner or yeah. Heath Miller around here. <laughs> it's not what he is. They don't use a fullback hardly at all. The receivers aren't helping. So it's a, it's a group problem. And, you know, a running game, as your Niners will get to, know so well you got to stick with it and they don't stick with it at all yeah that's tough if you have to abandon it or if you get behind and then it's throw 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 and you know when you start bringing up those names too and i'm glad you brought up mark bruner that's a fantastic (laughs) name and you know dick lebeau and jerome bettis this is a far cry from that style of offense it's very different than my you know when i my when i was a kid Steelers or growing up Steelers. it's not bill cowher's team at all although the defense is still holding up there into the bargain for the most part in Pittsburgh. All right, we've got Start to move on to a little bit. Okay, <laughs> uh, but here's what's what's key because a lot of people out there are probably like, "What are you talking about? The Steelers are 11 and one. Whatever, right. you're going to lose some games." But they've shown chinks for a while, though. I mean, yeah. they were really bad against the Ravens. You've talked a little bit about that, and also there's only one bye in the playoffs now in the AFC, and so now you're tied with uh, the the Chiefs with one loss there. If you lose that bye, that's huge. Getting a playoff bye in in the first week of the tournament is massive. So even one loss could be enough to lose that for Pittsburgh. And this will be the last thing I say about that. But I, I, hundred percent, this team needs a buy. They need to buy right now. They are really <laughs> beat up and old looking and people are falling left and right. But this was the game to lose because the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, which is an AFC team. The Steelers lost to Washington, which is an NFC team. So they still hold that tiebreaker. Mm. But the Steelers still have the Bills, the Colts, and the Browns, I don't think they're going to go 15-1. That's going to be a tough road. Let's see. Uh, Chiefs, Steelers still at the top. There's a couple of other teams that are close. If the Bills are able to knock off the Steelers, maybe they could be in the conversation there if uh, the Chiefs do lose a couple games down the stretch for that one seed in the AFC playoffs. And, of course, we'll have it covered for you here on the Peacock. The Browns can still win the division. That's true. The Browns are right there, too. Week 17 might be Steelers-Browns for the division. Wow. How different is that from the Steelers-Browns game that we saw was at the end of 2016 
that determined the number one pick in the NFL draft. Uh, the game <laughs> right. was it Isaiah Crowell that fumbled on the one yard line where the Browns could have won the game, and the and Miles Garrett would be playing in San Francisco right now. Wow, that wow. was that was. They, a, they, Insane. They always seem to play week 17 and it never means anything <laughs> to the Steelers. And yeah, I mean, it's crazy. All right. Uh, speaking of 49ers, Bills, we'll get to that game next. Get to your questions and take a peek at Tuesday Night Football next. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL... They've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. There might be nothing more important than your refreshment on game day when you're watching football, when you're like Matt and I watching football all day long from the opening kickoff for me at 10 a.m. for 12 hours straight, and Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt, I think it's pretty clear that we are both dialed in with the teams we cover. I was super confident in the Steelers. You weren't sure, and you went as far as to think maybe with the line, Washington might be the team to bet on in the early Monday night football game. And I felt the same way about the 49ers with how that line moved, and they were suddenly a a one-point favorite at kickoff. And I thought, yeah, you know what? The Bills are the team that should be favored in this game. I think we do have you know, a a good feel of the pulse of the teams we cover in the Steelers and 49ers. And wow, after watching this game and after sort of going over my notes and thinking about it twice, the Bills were really darn close to blowing out the 49ers and just looked like flat out the better team. 34-24 was the final. Bills improving to 9-3 and and the Niners falling to 5-7. and Yeah, and I thought the Niners did some good things and I thought it was good to see the majority of their weapons um, back out there. And I didn't think Mullins hurt the team bad, but my takeaway was more of, boy, this Bills team is rolling. Yes. I, I mean, Josh Allen looks like a machine right now. And, you know, the numbers with and without um, John Brown have been really crazy in Buffalo, but they're making up for that now with Cole Beasley and um, the, the rookie receiver, Gabriel Davis. He, he looks good mm-hmm. and Diggs is a monster. And if it wasn't for the Hale Murray, the Bills would be on a six-game winning streak. I mean, they're tough. Yeah, they'd be nine and two or a ten and two. They'd be right there, one yeah. game behind the Steelers and the Chiefs in the AFC pecking order. And in this game, a lot of it went as I expected, except the 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 part where Josh Allen went off against Robert Sala's defense. I thought the defense yeah. was going to do a better job against him, and and he just played so well against his team, and a lot was made of, you know, he grew up as a 49ers fan and, you know, grew up in Central California. 375 yards, four touchdown passes. Uh, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, you mentioned. Isaiah McKenzie was wide open for a touchdown. Dawson Knox had another touchdown. Bill's receivers were just flat out wide open all night long, so I've got to give some credit to 
Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable as well, who's going to be interviewing for some head coach jobs in the offseason. He's done a tremendous job all year long and in unconventional ways, a lot of three and even four receiver sets, um, no, not running the ball a lot, but now they're getting better with the run game, massaging things around and bringing Allen perfectly along in his career, big picture. It's really been impressive. And I'm not even sure it was the Niners defense fault, but they just made it look easy last night. Yeah, because that was the matchup because Robert Sala has been getting a, a lot of credit for the 49ers defense and how well they've played, even though they've missed so many players and, and they were down some corners and or were, I think it was their fourth nickel corner in this game, which is why Beasley was a smart play for your fantasy leagues because yeah. it was just going to be tough to uh, cover him out of the slot all night and he went big for 130 receiving yards. But yeah, it was Dayball versus Robert Sala. That was a fun matchup. Both of those coaches are going to be interviewing for head coaching jobs this offseason. And the 49ers did a number on the Bills' run game, as I expected. So it was all put on Josh Allen's shoulders. And and he was ready for it. He was I mean, he was prepared. At, he made throws. He bought time with his legs. And just it's that, that's another reason I think you would point to Brian Dable as somebody that you'd want to bring into your organization with how well he's been able to develop that quarterback who was raw as rain coming out of college, who a lot of people, uh, me included, did not believe in. And... Uh, I'm converted. I'm a wholehearted believer in Josh Allen. That was an MVP type performance by him on, on prime time. Yeah. I don't have much to add, but I mean, he was, I love to brag about that class because I say Lamar was my number one quarterback and no one else had him that mm -hmm. high. And he went, he went later than these other guys. Well, Allen was last for me. <laughs> you know, so I don't bring that one up as much. I mean, I liked Rosen better. I liked Baker better. I liked Arnold better. I just thought he was a wild stallion with no, uh, I, arm talent but not uh accuracy and control of the mm -hmm. football and boy they he still has those moments but he's really improved and you don't see that very often at the nfl level where they improve their accuracy and ball placement usually you have it or you don't but they've structured things around him really well he's obviously putting in the work and one little note that i i didn't notice until we had Joe Marino on a while ago who does locked on bills and, you know, real big into the draft too. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Matt, do you realize that like everything they've added on offense around since drafting Josh Allen have pretty much all been veterans. You know, they trade for digs. They signed all those offensive linemen. Um, you know, the, the people Brown. around him aren't, it's not like Denver where they're all learning together and they're all young. You know, the defense is where they draft guys and put youth and then on offense, they get established veterans to make, you know, uh, Allen's life a lot easier. And I think that's really smart. And I think their defense is underrated, too, because you look at the numbers. Getting and better. I was really surprised that run defense is still something they have to work on. The 49ers, you mentioned before how uh, the Steelers, you know, you got to stick with the run game and be able to to run the ball a lot. And then those numbers would have looked a lot better. The 49ers were gaining over four yards per carry, but the game script did not allow them to continue running the ball. So that that's one thing the 49ers got behind in the numbers and the scoreboard and, and then had to chase that with the passing game. And they're just undermanned there with Nick Mullins. But um, they, they've still got you know Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver and Trey White, who had an interception in that game. Their defense, I think, has a chance to be a lot better with what they're doing on offense, which makes them a scary team in December and January. Yeah, they are playing very, very well. Both sides of the ball seem like they're getting better. Can they win the whole thing? I saw a team that could go deep into January for sure on mm -hmm. Monday night. I, I have no doubt in my mind now. I wasn't sure... 
seeing him play, and when your quarterback's playing like the way that uh, Josh Allen is, then you absolutely have a chance. And they're they're good throughout their roster, and their defense is probably better than the numbers say right now. I think you're right about that, and they're also really well coached on that side of the ball. Yes, um, I, I mentioned that you know when we're talking Steelers. Steelers at Bills Sunday night this week should be a great game, but I think Buffalo should definitely be favored in that game. That'll be an interesting one. We'll find out about that line later in the week. Uh, we do have some two-minute drill to get to, and from one of our listeners, Mr. Smart, he said, I guess you guys can add me on the tail end of segments to recap the Texans game, and apparently, and now that I think about it, I think we totally forgot to talk about that Texans-Colts <laughs> game well, yesterday, so uh, let's get into our thoughts a little bit on this one before we get to a couple more questions and, and take a peek at Tuesday night football, and it was uh, Deshaun Watson's 341 yards, just plugging along Deshaun Watson, doing Deshaun Watson things. The problem is, he wasn't able to put the ball in the end zone. He had a rushing touchdown in this game, but zero touchdowns through the air for the Texans offense. He did throw an interception, but the story to me was the Colts and getting the running game going a little bit. Jonathan Taylor making some big plays. He had a 24-yard run, averaging seven yards per carry, and uh, I think that's important for the Colts' success with Philip Rivers doing Philip Rivers stuff, spreading the ball around on offense and being efficient there on the offensive side of the ball, but complimentary with the Colts' defense playing well, getting the running game going, and Naheem Hines out of the backfield uh, receiving the ball and Jonathan Taylor being that back that they drafted him to be in the second round. I think that's key. Good sign for the way the Colts won that game, even though they didn't blow him out. 26-20 Colts over the Texans Sunday. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And it's funny, we skipped this game because it's probably the game I had the least strongest feelings about. And I thought Watson continued to play really well. I mean, he got 100-yard games out of Kiki Cutie and Chad Hansen. <laughs> you know, it was like... <laughs> this quarterback's really, really playing well. And the Texans averaged basically a whole yard per play more than the Colts in this game, but they really struggled on third downs. They lost the turnover differential by two, and that stuff matters. I mean, all those things that aren't to necessarily jump out at you in the, the typical box score. But you're right. I, I thought Indy had a nice, well-rounded game. You know, the, the, the T.Y. Hilton isn't dead yet. The running game is pretty strong. Um, if Rivers isn't under a lot of pressure, he's going to do well. And they've won three out of four. They're they're rolling along. But I don't look at the the Colts like in the same manner we just talked about the Bills. Like I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a powerhouse. Yeah. So power rankings today, you definitely have the Bills over the Colts and the Titans yeah. and and most teams in the AFC. What four? I guess third. Would you have the, would you have the Bills third in the AFC? I'm actually looking at it right now. I have them fifth overall, and yes, third in the AFC, still behind Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Um, and they might have I something have to say about that Pittsburgh ranking, too, next week. Yeah, right, right. I mean, the, the Steelers, I've moved from two to three, but they are easily could go to seven or eight if they don't look good against the Bills. And it's crazy. The Titans and Colts are just those teams where it's like uh, it's bipolar every week. It's like, oh, man, OK, this team's getting ready to roll into the playoffs. And then it's like, wait, what are they doing now? And so uh, the both those teams, it's like, all right, let's put a few weeks together and then we'll feel a little bit stronger as the playoffs start. But I think they're both clearly playoff teams there in the AFC South. I agree. And I actually have Cleveland over Tennessee and Indy, too. I have because they just beat the Titans. I'm a little reluctant to jump on the Cleveland bandwagon. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong, yeah. but <laughs> I can you got to recognize it. what they've done. Yeah, I mean, they it's you have to it's the ultimate scoreboard. They played the Titans. You've got it. And, and yeah, they beat them. I, I think the final score 
the, the the Titans came back a little bit, but they beat them enough to be like, okay, that's got to be the better team if you're making a power rankings today. You just have to. That was 38 to 7 at halftime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they have to be above Tennessee. Absolutely. Okay. More <laughs> Peacock and Williamson coming up. We'll take a peek at Ravens Cowboys Tuesday night football. Make our picks there. We've got a couple more questions lined up next. Are you hitting a wall? Are you having trouble getting up and getting ready for these multiple extra days of primetime football? I bet you're not having that difficult of a time. But if you are hitting a wall, break through that wall with Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall, a physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's a small packet, one and a half ounces, very easy to take. Put it in your glove compartment, in your pocket, in your backpack, in your briefcase, in your golf bag to power through the back nine and Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like an energy drink without the same crash of his over-sugared beverage. And it's good for you. It's natural. It's better for your body. Three delicious flavors of Built Go. Peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. They are filled with protein. Collagen protein specifically because it's fast absorbing. Gets in your system fast. And it's easy on the stomach. Beta alanine. B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's a short version of the two-minute drill today because we had so many games to talk about on this in this super odd season that's happening right now. Joshua wants to know, why isn't LaFleur talked about as coach of the year? He's running the best offense in the league and has revitalized Rodgers' career. And yeah, we didn't mention LaFleur's name once yesterday when we were throwing around some names. I don't think we were trying to put out a comprehensive list of Coach of the Year candidates. They were just names that popped up as we were going through the games. But, I mean, Joshua's right. LaFleur has to be considered. Yeah, 100% right. And I'm guilty of it, too. I've, I've never really mentioned his name as Coach of the Year. Um, where are they sitting right now? What are they? like? Do they They're two seed not- in the NFC at 9 and three. Uh, nine and three, yeah. They're nine and three. So he's twenty two and six as their head coach. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. And the, and and Packers fans were unhappy about it last year, right? They were unhappy about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously they liked how far they went in the playoffs and, and getting to the NFC Championship game, but they were unhappy with the Rodgers Lafleur marriage. weren't sure there, and maybe even the front office wasn't sure drafting a first round quarterback. But, um, I mean, they, they seem like best buddies now, and the offense is flying even higher than it did last year when they had a 13-3 and season. I think for LaFleur, it hurts him just because Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback is going to get all the credit. But LaFleur definitely does deserve some credit. He does. I'm glad we brought him up, or that somebody brought him up to us, because he's doing a bang-up job. And even just getting Aaron Rodgers to buy in and, you know, jump into the system now. Cause last year it did seem a little bit like oil and water, you know, I mean that they, they won games, but 
the metrics all told you that they're really more like an eight or nine win team, not a 13 win team. And I heard Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talking about this, that, and it might be something that kind of hits home to you too, is in, in these Shanahan systems, you know, there's a lot of Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G's and mm-hmm. even Matt Ryan isn't, you know, a superstar, but is an above average quarterback and isn't the, you know, he's a certain type that needs things around him. But when you put a superstar and, and all those quarterbacks succeed in this system, whether it's Kubiak or Daddy Shanahan or Kyle or his disciples, but when you put okay. the best quarterback in the league in there, <laughs> you know, or an all-time great, holy smokes. Right, yeah. Jared Goff is sort of in that Matt Ryan tier of right, not right. insanely talented, but really good arm and, and a really good quarterback potentially. And I think Goff could have some good, great years and some better years that end up being a little bit more like Matt Ryan's career. So similar, and, and you're right. And that's one of the things, and look at, look at the quarterbacks Kyle Shanahan has brought in. He hasn't tried to bring in anybody who's got any crazy arm talent or crazy athleticism. Uh, Nick Mullins is his backup. Guy was undrafted. He's barely six feet tall and 200 pounds, dripping wet. Doesn't have a very good arm. He, they drafted C.J. Beathard, who was just a ho-hum prospect. I think he saw a lot of Kirk Cousins in C.J. Beathard coming out of college, and he ran a pro offense in, in college. And, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo is in that, you know, just that middle tier of, of NFL starting quarterbacks and doesn't wow you physically. That's the number one thing they need is they want someone who's smart can operate. So they look for that first. And sometimes that doesn't lead them down a path of finding someone who's crazy talented, unless you get lucky like Lafleur, who gets a job with a hall of fame caliber quarterback who has all that arm talent. And when you see that offense with that much talent, a quarterback, it's like, woo, okay, that's what And 49ers fans right now, this off season are kind of looking at that kind of thing. And they're seeing, Quarterbacks like Josh Allen and and all of these really physically gifted guys and some of them like Justin Herbert, who we thought was really raw coming out of college, playing so well right out of the gate, not even in a Shanahan style offense. But 49ers fans are looking at that thinking, man, let's I want one of those. Let's have some fun. Let's get one of those big, athletic, strong armed quarterbacks and see what he could do in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Dare to dream. Yeah. And I'm sure that was, you know, those coaches when they interviewed, they could tell the owner. We don't have to invest heavy at the quarterback position. I'll I'll make a mountain out of a molehill. Mm-hmm. Give me a third round pick or a fifteen million a, a year type guy, and we'll use other resources somewhere else. But you know, what if you do have that guy? Wow, you know, right. and that's what we're seeing. Absolutely, I hundred percent agree. A couple more questions here. Let's go to the NFC East. Ross says, looking at the Eagles Super Bowl win and success Frank Reich is having versus Doug Peterson since. Did Reich managing that offense along with coming from being Andy Reid's offensive coordinator mask Doug Peterson's deficiencies? Is he now being found out? It seems that way. You know, since I've been in buildings, I always find it difficult as a now media member and analyst to talk about assistant coaches because, I mean, it's hard enough to analyze a head coach because you don't see what happens behind the scene. Right. But the evidence is pretty darn strong that that offense went is much different since coach Reich left. And he's clearly doing a very good job with the Colts. And, you know, he didn't exactly have Andrew Luck the whole time there either. You know, I mean, he's had to manufacture some quarterback problems. I mean, remember Luck retired like a couple of weeks before the season. Last oh, wow. Year. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The way they've figured that out, I, I think has been really, uh, and obviously if, you know, from the top down, I think things are going really well in that organization, but yeah. to, to put it another way, if I'm an owner and uh, I, I need to hire a head coach and both Frank Reich and Doug Peterson are available, I'm 
absolutely hiring Frank Reich first with the information no we have right now. The Eagles offense, not only is Carson Wentz look broken, but it looks broken too. Like schematically, they don't help people out. They don't rely on Sanders as much as they should. They've had injuries, but you got to make your quarterback's life easier. They don't seem to be doing that. I don't consider him a particularly great game manager, you know, so uh, I think Peterson's seat deserves to be hot where Reich is a top 10 quarterback or head coach right now. Probably. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, real, this one could probably be very quick. This is an AFC East question from go Pats. And it is, yes, a P- Patriots question. If you're Bill Belichick, do you resign Cam Newton in the off season or seek another free agent signing or draft a quarterback? I don't think that can be quick. There's, there's a <laughs> lot of layers to that. Uh, I mean, he's going to be, he's really cheap now, but he won't be going down the road. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you're married to his style, you know, and he is his own style, his own taste. I'd like to know a little more about Stidham. I'd like to know where the Patriots are picking before I made that decision. Probably not going to be in the top 10 to get a guy. No. Yeah, they're not going to be I top 10, no. and, and they're not going to be in the 20s. So you're looking at the teens. Are you going to right. draft your second-tier sort of a quarterback? Uh, and, and if I had to guess what the Patriots are going to do, I would guess that they bring Cam Newton back and they draft a player and probably trade down, as the Patriots always do. And then you're talking about Mac Jones, Kyle Trask at the end of round one after they trade down or the top of round two, have that player play behind Cam Newton because I'm not sure if there's going to be any free agent signings out there that you're going to want to have more than Cam Newton. So that's the way I envision it going with the Pats. The one thing that could be a curveball is they have a ton of cap space, and they also have a lot of draft picks. Could they Yes, yes. go sign Dak Prescott? Or I'm, I don't know about Dak, but I was going to say trade for Matthew Stafford. Stafford, like a tra- yeah, I can see a trade I mean? absolutely like, happening with the Patriots, and so that that's so basically they're not going to roll into the season. I, I think with a free agent quarterback, it's not as good or better than Cam Newton. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I think they could do better than Cam possibly. It might cost them a little something, yes. but they have cards in their hands to do it. Right, so they, it would it would cost something in trade. It would cost something in dollars as well. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Bill Belichick's competitive. Does he want to just you know rebuild this whole thing with the rookie quarterback? I would imagine he would want a veteran quarterback in there to go with the rookie. Although he just about did it with Jarrett Stidham this offseason until they signed Cam Newton really late. So maybe Bill's okay with just going with the rookie and saying, all right, we're going to draft the best guy there in round one and let's do it again. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I think that's one of the hardest ones to predict. And where they are in the draft and who's on the board when they're there. And plus, Cam's is so unique. Like you right. mentioned, like they could get Jones or Trask, but they're so different than that's Cam. two different offenses, right? Yeah, that you're yeah. gonna run if, if the if the backup jumps into the game there. So no, that, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, I want to move on to this Tuesday night football game. We have a question from DNA Fit here that ties in for tonight's game. Do you think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense can get healthy against this Cowboys defense? And yeah, that's absolutely the hope for the Ravens offense. At home, going against the three and eight Dallas Cowboys, the six and five Ravens right now that are uh, currently on the outside looking in at this playoff picture in the AFC. There's a lot of teams jockeying for the last couple of spots there. Baltimore favored by eight and a half against Dallas. How you feeling about this one, Matt? I feel the same as I always do about the Ravens that they're a sleeping giant that's ready to erupt. And we are talking about the Chiefs, Steelers, now the Bills as 
big time contenders in the AFC. And I keep thinking the team in purple and black is still looming behind the scenes in the shadows, ready to emerge. But I've said that like seven times this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it we say it almost happens. every week. Right. And even right, games right. they've won, it was like, ah, oh, we, we still haven't seen that team yet. I think a big key for uh, Baltimore is obviously, you know, uh, how is Lamar feeling? And yeah. uh, he's you know going to start tonight against the Cowboys. Are Calais Campbell's questionable? Are they going to get him back? They've missed a lot of pieces on the offensive line. Can they get the running game going? They're going to have, uh, you know, I think it's time for Dobbins to shine there. So there's still a lot of questions about what's going on on offense there. I have no doubt they're going to beat the Cowboys. Uh, I still think they're a better team when you have Lamar Jackson in there, who's an X factor. So eight and a half points is the question for me. Yeah, I think uh, without the, with the 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 state of the of the uh, Cowboys O line without Zach Martin, I'll, I'll I'll take I'll give you the points. But I, I thought Dallas was starting to turn a corner a little bit too, and they're not. Yeah, they had the one win against the Vikings, but uh, mm-hmm. that game and that was you know a three point victory. So that was a narrow victory. They would have lost what one two three four five six six in a row if they if they didn't win that game. And now they've got at. Ravens, which I don't like for for them. Um, no. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Both these teams are kind of hard to wrap your head yeah. around, but I, I'm pretty certain the the Cowboys are bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just I don't believe in the Cowboys. I'll you know what? I'll 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 go the opposite way just because you went Ravens. I'll I'll take those points. I'll take the eight and a half and go Cowboys here that they can keep it at least close just because the Ravens uh, aren't really in blowout mode right now with the way their offense is sputtering. But who knows? This And I think this is to uh, the listener's question's point here. DNA Fit, thank you for the question. This might be exactly what the Ravens' offense needs is to face that Cowboys defense. And then maybe it's like, okay, now right. we're rolling. Yeah, that's what I keep expecting. But I said that, boy, coming out of the bye, the Ravens are going to take the league by storm when – I probably said it in week four and week seven, and I, I, I'm, uh, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, and against uh, the Eagles, it was like, okay, this is win. Right. And, you know, it was, it was a win, but not a resounding win. It was like, okay, against the Bengals, that was the game. It was 27-3. to three. That's the last time we really saw the Ravens like blow somebody out and be like, okay, we are much, much better than you. They lost to uh, the Steelers. They lost to the Patriots, which was a severely undermanned team. So three straight right. for Baltimore. They're not going in the right direction. This could be a get-right right game, though. So we'll see. That's uh, the hope. This could be the game they turn that corner, or it might not be happening. Yep, it might just it might just not be the year for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see. It'll be a fun Tuesday night game, and we'll have it all broken down for you tomorrow, along with our stock up, stock down. Actually, Matt, we're going to do something very special on this Wednesday episode this week, right? We're going to okay. redraft the top ten of the twenty twenty draft. Now that we've been most of the way through their rookie seasons, right? And what we're going to do is just keep the same draft order and say something along the lines of. Since he's on the clock, but they don't have Burrow, would they take Burrow again or would they go a different direction? And I actually did it before we were on the air. I only have one defensive player going in the top 10. So just a little tease there. Okay, okay. That's a good one. So that'll be our exercise tomorrow. And yes, it's too early, but uh, who cares? We're going to have some fun fun. and, and redraft what we've seen from the rookies in 2020. All right. Talk to you tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.